0: This is a Pedagogue and D-Black Digital Black Lit and Composition Collaboration. It's a podcast mini-series that amplifies Black graduate student pedagogies, practices, writings, and lived experiences. Every episode of this mini-series is a conversation designed to uplift and celebrate Black teachers, scholars, students. Each episode features a new perspective, and each episode highlights the work of black graduate students and their family line of scholars. You can check out dBlack at dblack.org. You can follow DBlack on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. DBlack is an online and in-person network of black-identified graduate students and advanced undergraduate students in fields related to the study of language. I'm your host, Shane Wood. Let's get started want you to love it, turn it up when you went public I'm my worst critic, you don't feel it, you won't hear Had you waiting for a minute, just to make sure you were spinning Last song was I, but this time coming with vengeance. In this episode, I talk with Nakenna Anwazuroha Nakenna Anwazuroha is a PhD candidate in writing and rhetoric studies at the University of Utah She has taught composition and social justice courses at the University of Utah, Salt Lake Community College and Westminster College. She moved to Salt Lake in 2011 to serve as an AmeriCorps VISTA for the SLCC Community Writing Center and currently works as the outreach coordinator for Right Here, Westminster College's Community Writing Center. Nikenna, thanks so much for joining us. I want to give you some space to talk about your journey to education and teaching and your motivations for pursuing a PhD?
1: I am a first-generation American, so both my parents are from Nigeria, and they got degrees in Louisiana, uh, and we moved over to Metro Atlanta area when I was a kid, maybe around four years old. Um, and I, you know, was interested in literature and writing, but I never thought about it as a career path. I went to University of Chicago, and then you know, studied literature there. And then I decided to go to the University of Bristol in England and study more literature there. So I went from you know French literature, comparative literature to European literature at Bristol. So I had these three degrees in literature that I had no clue what to do with. And then the clock was ticking as well for my time in England. And I decided to, you know after debating it and looking at other options, join AmeriCorps. And I also decided to move to Salt Lake City, Utah, Um, I've been in Salt Lake City, Utah for 10 years now, and what brought me out there was a position at the Salt Lake Community College Community Writing Center. And I'd never heard of a community writing center before, let alone a writing center. Um, I think I went to one of these schools, you know, the University of Chicago, where they just assumed that you know how to write um, academic standard writing, and there was never really a first-year composition course. So this idea of teaching people how to, you know, write academic writing, Um, and also that community needs of writing were kind of baffling to me. But I thought that my lit degrees could help somehow in like analyzing and having a type of care towards writing. When I started teaching at Salt Lake Community College a year after being here in Salt Lake City, um, I was basically learning along with my students, um, learning different um, aspects of composition and writing and academic writing, and a lot of, kind of the ways that I was presenting this information, like teaching this information, was straight out of the books, regurgitating information. Uh, That's how I was taught. It was very instructional. It wasn't a discussion-based type of courses that I was taking at Bristol or Chicago. And I could see my students kind of, you know, deflating. Um, They were getting listless and tired of the long lectures of things that they most likely had already read. Um, So that's when I realized that Um, a better pedagogical approach was needed. And I started going to professional development workshops, which was great that they were offered at the community college for folks who, you know, like myself, had lit backgrounds and had a certain idea of what higher education looked like and didn't really know about the landscape and how it was changing to meet student needs. You know, very kind of non-hierarchical, very discussion-based, letting people know that they have power and authority. ways that they write and you know create work. So I think a lot of my experience comes from um, working at community writing centers and then also by just taking advantage of professional development opportunities that the community college offered.
0: Can you talk to me a little bit more about your approach to teaching writing? What kind of classroom do you want to create and what kinds of materials and perspectives help you do this work?
1: So I forgot to mention that after um, I think six or seven years of teaching at Salt Lake Community College, I decided that I need to take the next step. And that would be pursuing a PhD in writing and rhetoric studies. And I was happy and excited enough to get accepted into the University of Utah's writing and rhetoric studies um, program. And I got a graduate teaching assistantship, which allowed me to teach writing 2010 to so their intermediate writing uh, three times a year and in different types of modalities as well. So I started off face to face and now I do hybrid and online. What I really like to do is, again, make it more discussion-based and also, secondly, make sure that students know that they come up with a lot of information about how to write and like writing kind of scenarios or rhetorical situations, if you will, that they do a lot of writing that honestly just isn't validated um, because it's not that standard academic writing. Um, So I really want to make sure they understand how they can be a part of public discourses um, so I design um, assignments so that they get a chance to have conversations with one another and look at how this writing um, that's meant for a public audience um, can be, you know, picked apart, and analyzed, and also, um, you know, be material for further critical analysis and other types of writing. So one assignment I like to give students is to hop onto change.org and look at a petition. Usually I have them look at the health and safety section because there are millions of petitions out there. And I have them do three different types of writing. So, you know, kind of a genre um, based assignment. First, I want them to, based off of reading and understanding the um, petition, to just write a commentary. Like, what did you get out of it? Why does this resonate with you? Um, why do you want to either support this or kind of work against what this letter is saying? And then I asked him to do, you know, that standard academic genre, the rhetorical analysis. So pick it apart. Look at what the author's trying to do here and why and how.
0: I'm interested in hearing how your pedagogy shifted from Salt Lake Community College to the University of Utah. Do you mind talking a little bit more about that transition from a two-year college to a four-year R1 university?
1: There seems to be, you know, this idea that um, the community college is inferior to the four-year college or, you know, university. And coming from a community college background, I really respect the type of work that we do at, you know, community colleges. And I was really lucky enough to work with um, Christy Talk and her, yeah, she's amazing, isn't she? (laughs) Yeah, so, And her work really revolves around like transfer students. And I got to get a glimpse of like back home Salt Lake Community College while I was at the GU by doing uh, teaching these courses that were specifically meant for transfer students to help them think about how to write within their major. Um, So I feel like my pedagogical identity um, didn't shift. I wanted to stay true to my roots. I wanted to stay true to what I was doing at the community college. And also um, learn more about how to see transfer students and community college students differently, because their goal is to, you know, most likely to end up at a four year institution. So why are they kind of, you know, why is the institution making it harder for them? Or why do we have these type of stigmas against starting off at a community college? And how can we kind of break or dismantle these stigmas to make sure that transfer students are getting the type of like experience they need?
0: So for the listeners, I gave a huge smile when Nakina mentioned Christy Toth because Christy has has been a longtime listener and supporter of the podcast. And I asked her that question with Christy's research in mind. Uh, Her work is amazing. and, And I had to ask that question between Salt Lake Community College and the University of Utah. So I want to shift and talk a, about cultural and geographic differences. You mentioned growing up in Atlanta, and eventually you found yourself at Salt Lake Community College. How have these cultural differences influenced your teaching?
1: Well, back in Georgia, I was never really, you know, instructor or a mentor to anyone. I was always in the role of student. And it was interesting to come to Salt Lake City, Utah, and be kind of put into that role of instructor Um And there are definitely different cultural differences. I realized um, by the type of assignments that um, students were assigned and that I kind of like looked at and revised um, to kind of fit my curriculum and my pedagogy. Uh, So, for example, one of the standard writing assignments um, I had in my writing 1010 class at Salt Lake Community College, College was a literacy narrative where students got to talk about their experience reading or writing or learning a new language and I was introduced to a lot of these narratives about um, uh, mission trips the lds mission trips and how you know uh, folks who chose to go on a mission were learning a new language at the missionary uh, training center and trying to figure out how to communicate with a culturally different and linguistically different group of people to you know proselyte and it was, you know, really interesting to learn about like how people describe these stories and how I could, as instructor, give them feedback um, on these stories. Um, so that kind of fit, you know, what I wanted them to get out of writing 1010, but also gave them a connection to me and felt like they were comfortable sharing mo- their story with me.
0: Your dissertation focuses on how students experience colleges and universities. And specifically, you're really looking at San Francisco State University in the 1960s, Um, in particular, the the student newspaper at San Francisco State University, and the way students weren't conforming to white academic standards. Do you mind talking more about your research?
1: One thing that brought me to graduate school was being in composition and first-year writing, and I was really surprised you know, how I really kind of gravitated towards rhetoric and also towards the history of education. My project involves looking at San Francisco State College, now university in the 1960s, particularly in the late 1960s, during the kind of start of the Black Power movement. And you start seeing more and more Black students on campus. And At first, a lot of Black students try to acclimate, that's what the institution wants them to do, but they realize soon enough that they have very enriched experiences from their own communities. And they also have a goal and agenda to bring back this knowledge, bring back these opportunities that they're getting um, by pursuing higher ed back to their communities to make them better. And when they realize that that's not the intention of the institution itself to make these people and communities better, they start to push back. And I specifically chose to look at San Francisco State um, College because it is the birth of um, the first Black Studies and Ethnic Studies Department. I can look at this crazy incident and look look at how it involves looking at um, writing and rhetoric and violence too. So the incident I'm talking about is the Gator incident. In November 1967, uh, members of the Black Student Union went into the college newspaper the Gator, and they beat up the editor Jim Vasco and some of uh, his staff. Some events that happened afterwards, they basically found some of the students. Um, they tried to penalize the students for what happened. But a couple of months later, almost a year later, we have the Third World, uh, third sorry, Third World Liberation Fund strike that's happening. Uh, a call to protest against this institution that isn't treating black students and people of color, students of color, very well. And it leads to, again, the ethnic studies program, black studies program. And also there's a kind of radicalization of the Gator itself, where it goes from being a conservative um, so-called white newspaper in 1967 to almost getting shut down two or three times by the president at the time. Um, So I want to think about what was going on, what was being said in the gator and what wasn't being said because initially i thought the reason why the black student Union went in was because they weren't reporting on what you know the black student union was doing like it was inaccurate um and it turns out that they just weren't reporting to like um the type of level um that the black student union was expecting them to be especially during this kind of heightened racial period at the time um so i'm kind of thinking again about how this is not only just a history of education project, but also a project that involves rhetoric, bodily violence, different forms of violence that are rhetorical, um, and also composing strategies.
0: So your research on student experience also makes me wonder what your own experience has been like at the University of Utah, a predominantly white institution.
1: Cool. Um, well, one thing I have at my advantage is that I'm not a new transplant. I've been here for... 10 years now. So I've seen Salt Lake City grow and I've seen it become more and more diverse. A lot of people from the West Coast are moving here, particularly from California. And we have something called the Silicon Slopes, which is basically kind of like Silicon Valley. So we have some of these tech industries coming into the Valley area. And it's also bringing more diverse people. Um, So um, I've been able to acclimate. I've had a whole decade to do that. Um, it is still predominantly white, but there are a lot of support systems um, in and outside of the University of Utah. Um, I've become very outdoorsy. So I have this group that I'm a part of called Outdoor Afro, and we go on hikes and bike rides and all this fun stuff like snowshoeing. And then within the um, institution itself, there are some programs for African American, African students. So one program I'm a part of is the African American Doctoral Scholars Initiative. And it's a program that sets me up with a mentor. And honestly, my mentor has been absolutely like, you know, amazing. Like he is the reason why I'm so on track and I feel like very accomplished. And I've gotten, you know, a fellowship just to work on my research next year. He's told me about things that I wouldn't know about outside of my department that I should pursue. And that's one reason why I took a history of education class because he advised me to. That's one reason I took a historical research method class. Um, And it's really helping out with my research and kept me on a really great trajectory. We also have meetings and workshops to help us figure out and navigate how to get a job, how to survive academia. Uh, They also give us funds, too. So as I am, you know, trying to learn more about the Gator Incident in San Francisco State, I can, you know, go and and I have funds to do that research. And I also have funds to make myself more marketable as, you know, that time approaches. So I have funds to go to conferences and to subscribe to journals. Um, And then I've also found out about other organizations that can help me um, just kind of survive academia, not only as a student, but as a you know Black female student.
0: How can the Academy support Black teachers, scholars, and students?
1: One way they can do that is by trying to be a mentor, even if it's not by kind of name, but just by communicating and interacting with students. Some of the opportunities that I have found out about have not been from like other you know Black students or staff or faculty at the University of Utah, but people who are really invested in like anti-racist pedagogies and wanting to see students of color, Black students succeed. Um, so I found out about d from, you know, a white professor who just started in the department, like fresh, just, you know, a couple of weeks old. It's like, I don't know if you know about this organization, but you should get involved. And just being involved for the last four weeks have led to you know, this interview to so much connecting with people that I didn't even know about. Yeah, like when you have an opportunity, don't be afraid to tell, you know, the one black student about it. <laughs> you know, you don't have to keep a secret from them. You know, maybe they do know about it, but they need to know again. They need that encouragement. And sometimes just, you know, sitting people down and being like, what are your goals? Like and how, you know, and Maybe just starting with that. Sometimes it's a little too much or overwhelming to be like, what are your goals and how can I help you? But like, what are your goals? What are you thinking about? And I can see if I can kind of get things rolling or in place. And also I feel like um, sometimes Black students and students of color feel like they aren't connected with a larger intellectual academic community. So if you know of someone who's doing something similar or very close to a student that you have or are working with, Uh, then, like, introduce, you know, them to one another uh, and, you know, see kind of where that goes. It can be helpful. It can't hurt anyway. Um, But, yeah, I think seeing more folks um, and getting to know the work that they do and how, you know, my work can kind of, like, coincide with that or how I can feel more part of an intellectual academic community is always something I look forward, you know, to. And I definitely had mentors who I could turn to when I felt like something's going wrong here I don't feel like I'm you know getting students engaged I'm not sure if they're kind of retaining what I'm saying or if they find this class interesting like what can I do to kind of change something that I feel like is going wrong here I've had people I could talk to and just having that space and people who are willing to listen rather than like chastise um, and having those opportunities to learn more because I definitely didn't feel like I knew everything when I walked in there I definitely felt like I needed a institution that would allow me to grow and learn more so that I could feel like confident in being an instructor and an academic. So I've had those opportunities and I've had those people that that's really made me the person I am today. Thanks,
0: Nikina, And thank you, Pedagog listeners and followers for tuning into this Pedagog and D-Black collaboration. I want you to love it, turn it up when you went public. I'm my worst critic, you don't feel it, you won't hear. It. Had you waiting for a minute, just to make sure you were spinning. Last song was I right, but this time coming with a vengeance. That's my good friend Raph Peters, AKA Keizo. He's a Houston-based rapper and that's his single, Liddy. You can check him out on YouTube, youtube.com backslash KeizoMusic. That's K-Z-O-E, music.